This is the University Seventh-day Adventist Church in the sunny Orlando, Florida. We are glad that you are listening to our weekly podcast. Our prayer is that you will be blessed and challenged by our message today. And may God lead you in the next step of your growth in Him. Here is our future sermon. But I'd like to read the scripture again from first, Second Peter chapter 1. And I think I'll start with verse Three. No, I'll go to verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature that having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Verse 5, but also for this very reason, given all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads. Set us fire, Lord. Stir us, we pray. While the world perishes, we go on our way purposeless, passionless, Day after day, set us afire, Lord. Stir us, we pray. Lord, we're so honored and blessed to be in your presence. We're amazed that your grace and your mercy are still extended to us in these last days. We thank you for your love and your sacrifice. We thank you for your constant attention to our needs. And Lord, we just want to return to you our lives that you may have your way in our lives. Bless us in this place. Cover us with your grace and your peace and your mercy. We want to see Jesus. So show yourself in this place through these words, but speak in the words that we understand. And Lord, your servants are listening. And so we praise you for the victory that you've established for us in this day. And we give you the praise through the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let the church say, Amen. Amen. And I'd like to read to you from Acts of Apostles, page 530, what Ellen White says about 2 Peter chapter 1, 5-8. through 8. It says, These words are full of instruction and strike the keynote of victory. The apostle presents before the believers the ladder of Christian progress, every step of which represents advancement in the knowledge of God and in the climbing of which there is to be no standstill. Faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness and charity are the rounds of the ladder. We are saved by climbing round after round, mounting step after step to the height of Christ's ideal for us. 
Thus he has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So I want to talk to you about climbing Peter's ladder. Every round goes higher and higher. Amen? Now, Peter talks about some steps that we must climb. Now, we're, we're in the end of two, 2014. Sometimes I'm still writing 1998. It's going too fast for Wanda. Amen? Oh, these years are zooming by. We all agree on that. Amen? Oh, my goodness. We're getting ready to have to write 2015. How are we to be prepared to go into 2015? Well, Peter says we need to continue to climb, and Ellen White says these are steps that we're not supposed to get off of. Now, I don't like climbing, and I've found that the older I get, the less I like climbing. Do you know that Florida is the flattest state in the whole United States? I like being in Florida. Amen. Hallelujah. Because I don't have to climb. In fact, the highest place is not Mount Dora. Those of you who know Mount Dora. Our highest point in Florida is, is in near Claremont. It's 315 feet high. <laughs> That's almost a football field. <laughs> Mount, uh, Large Mount, something like that. Mount Large, some Sugarloaf Mountain near Cloak. And that's our highest point. Isn't that funny? A football field. We call it a mountain here in Florida. But one of the things I've learned over the years is that um, one thing is that Jesus says that except I become like little children, I cannot inherit the, ki the kingdom. And I've learned that children love to climb. They will climb before they even learn to walk. If you get them to some steps, they will start moving up before they can walk. Well, see, I don't like steps, Sandy. I would rather have a flat house. The older, I know you fall down the steps, you got to hold on. You got, to, when you get my age, you got to think about going up or down the steps. See, some of you all don't know that. And some people can go three steps at a time. I'm very thankful that I can do one without hitting it. Amen. Praise the Lord. And I praise God every time I get to the bottom one. But children don't do that. And yet, Peter says that we need to climb. Peter says that we're having to climb. And let me go back over there. What is he saying that we need to do? Well, in 2 Peter chapter 1, he starts off, he says, but for this very reason, what reason? Because God has given you exceeding great and precious promises. Because he's given you everything you need to live godly. For all these good reasons, because of the, the grace that God has given you, as we go into 2015, we need to keep on climbing. We've got to keep on adding. Don't be satisfied with your spirituality, amen? Not right now. He said for these very reasons to accept because you've escaped corruption that's in, the world to, to, that, um, that's in the world through lust, you need to add to your faith virtue. Now, faith is a given in this. 
He says, add to your faith. You've already come because you are faithful. You know that you have a measure of faith. Romans chapter 12 talks about all of us have a measure of faith. Don't be satisfied with that. You need to add to your faith virtue. How many of you all know the definition of virtue? Uh-huh. I Thank you, there's one. Because virtue is not a word that we use very much in our world. There, have been st there was a study that was done on spiritual words, and they looked up words like virtue, mercy, sanctification, uh, kindness, those kind of words. And they found that in writing and in speaking, people don't use words. There are certain words only we use, sanctification. How many talk about sanctification outside of Christianity or redemption? You may redeem a coupon, but you don't usually say that. But and so there are words that are falling out of the vocabulary like virtue. Virtue is moral excellence. Oh, keeping a woman's virtue, that's not the same thing. But that's how we'll use the word. But virtue has to do with being moral and, and to be excellent at all times, not just in certain situations, but it's the way you carry yourself morally and so you, that you look like Christ in all things. When, in order for you to be a good basketball player, you may make a great shot. You know, I've, have you seen those folks that stand half court and they can win a million dollars? They shoot it and it goes in and everybody cheers. Just because they do that doesn't make them a great basketball player. Great basketball players become great because they, they practice all the time. They're focused in their, in their work. They think basketball all the time. They're always thinking. They're practicing. Well, for us to be virtuous, it's not something we do just on Sabbath mornings or just when people are looking. We are morally excellent even when we're watching television, when we're going to the movies, when we're speaking in our thinking, where we continue to add to our faith words and, and actions that look Christ-like. Add to your faith virtue. And then add to your virtue knowledge. There's a man in Kalamazoo, Michigan. This man has 29 degrees. 29. He's 71 years old. He's got 29 degrees. He's got 22 master's degrees. He's got bachelor's degrees. He's got one doctorate. He's working on other certificates, and I understand now he's working on his 30th degree. And they said, why are you doing that? He said, I just love knowledge. I love going to class. Well, which one of these things are you working in? Oh, I don't do any work. I don't do anything with them. I just like collecting them. He has a lot of knowledge, but he doesn't use it. That's not what they're talking about. Add to your virtue knowledge. When you look at knowledge in scripture, knowledge is deeper than just the head knowledge like this gentleman. Knowledge has to do with an intimacy, with a relationship. So when Peter is saying for us to go beyond the faith, to add to our faith, 
virtue, he's saying know God, know God intimately. That means you're coming to Sabbath school. That means you're reading your lessons. That means you're studying, that you're keeping the morning watch, that every morning when you get up, you're reading God's word. All through the day, you're thinking and praying without ceasing. Amen? Because, oh, to know him and his Christ, that's what salvation is, knowing him. And so it has to do with being in such a relationship, I know some folks have said that we want to be so close to Jesus that when he turns a corner, we, he, we bump into each other. Isn't that good news? We want to be that close to him like John was always leaning on his breast. We want to smell his breath. We want to feel his presence at all times. We want to know Jesus. And so he's saying, add to that, knowledge of him. There's so many names of God in scripture, and he's got a name for, for every one of our circumstances. Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Sabbath. He is our everything. How are you experiencing him? Who is he to you? Because we want to know him. I love the way Hagar called him. She called him Elroy. He's the God who sees me. That's how she knew him. That everywhere I go, even in a desert place, he sees me. So we want to know him and, and hear his direction because we're in the last days of Earth's history and we're going to have to learn how to hear him. I was in a Sabbath school class once and they were having the discussion. Well, they said, somebody said, well, God doesn't talk to people like he used to do in the long, in the years back and a lady said yes he does and I said of course he talks I hear him talk to me and he said well how do you know she said this woman said she said God will speak to you as much as you want to listen God will speak to you as much as you want to listen we want to know him you know we walk around with these earphones on. That means I don't want to hear from you. I got my own stuff going on. Please don't talk to me. Take the earphones off 2015, 2014, because he is saying to things to us in this world all the time. And we, if we're listening, we will know whether to turn to the right or to the left. Amen? So 2015, we're going to add to our faith virtue and then some knowledge and then temperance. Oh, my goodness. Tops. Taking off pounds sensibly. I was so happy. I only gained one pound being on the Oasis of the Seas cruise. Tops. Taking off pounds sensibly is awesome. I am so blessed to be part of that organization. They have helped me. Now, I have lost weight, but I need to learn to be temperate. Temperance is more than weight loss. It's learning how to be, have self-control. Add to your faith virtue, knowledge, some temperance self-control so that when those M&M bags are there, and they're yelling at me all the time, I can say, back up off of me, I'm not touching, amen? 
self-control, but it's not just food. There are other appetites. It could even be shopping. Ooh, don't you hate it? <laughs> How many shoes you got in your closet? <laughs> How many can, can you wear at one time? Well, anyway. And so temperance, temperance self-control has to do with your words, your actions, your thoughts, your rest, all of those things being Paul says, I have to keep under my body. I've got, to, I've got to be in charge. I can't let my appetite control me. I can't, I can't let my lust control me. Lust has to do with, I'm going to get my needs met. Temperance has to do with, your will be done, Lord. We want you to be glorified in the eating and the drinking and whatsoever I do. And so as we add, as we climb these steps, we need to add some self-control, Peter says. Mrs. White says in um, Christian Service, page 29, she says the most difficult sermon to preach and the hardest to practice is self-denial. It sure is. But when we walk past when somebody else needs something, when we give it away when we want it, you're learning self-denial. I'm determined to be more generous this year. I want to be so generous that I will hold on to things and not think, oh, I need two of those or four of those. I'm determined because I'm learning that you can't be God's giving no matter how hard you try anyhow. But I don't want to hold on to things, and you all know that that's what this whole move was about for us, was letting go. And so we're learning to be temperate in all things. And then add to your temperance, <gasps> the hardest one, isn't it? Patience. Or maybe it isn't. Maybe it is easy for you. But it's certainly the one that's hardest to learn because you get tired of learning um, perseverance and overcoming all of those things. Patience has to do with enduring hardships of life and putting your weight on God and, and waiting on him. And don't you hate waiting? I've got a Kingston, Jamaica story for you. There was a lady in Kingston, Jamaica. She had gone down to Kingston and she was going to ride the ferry. It was written in the women's devotion, devotional book on the 20th of December. Her name, if you all might know her, Joan Morgan. Joan Morgan had gone with her Aunt Hazel and they were going to take the ferry. She went and she paid for her ferry ride. And she had some time, so she took her nephew over and bought him some ice cream, paid for the ice cream, was waiting for the ice cream. But the attendant wouldn't give them the ice cream. Every older person that came up, they gave, they, they took care of them. She let, they let everybody go ahead of her. Everybody go ahead of her. Finally, everybody else was served, and finally, she was sitting there seething. Why are you doing this to me? She was impatient, but she waited, and then finally they got their ice cream, and they ran back to the ferry, and when they got to the ferry, they heard the horn sounding that the ferry had pulled off. They had paid for their tickets and missed the ferry. Oh, she was so disappointed as they watched, and the ferry left. 
So they stood there eating their ice cream because that's all they had for all their money they paid, enjoying every bit. And finally Aunt Hazel came running over frantically to them, hugging them real hard. And they said, what happened? She said, you didn't hear the fairy capsized and some folks died. She said in that article, in her remembrance of that, she said, I learned patience. That sometimes God will let you endure things to be still for your protection. And that even in my being still, in my patience, praise him anyhow. Because he is growing us and teaching us endurance. He was patient with us. We've got to learn how to praise him in those hard times. Amen? So add to your temperance patience. And then to your patience, add some godliness. That's fellowship with God. By beholding, you become changed. The more you look at Jesus, the more you read those pen stories in the gospel, the more you see him. It says in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18, that by beholding you're becoming changed. You're becoming changed to whatever you're looking at is what you're becoming like. But the more you see Jesus, the more you become like him. Isn't that good news? When I see how he treats children and how he treats old people and women and men and those that were not accepted. The more you look at him, the more he changes you to his image. God like... Add to your, some, your temperance, godliness, kindness, give away, bless, help, love, forgive, be merciful. Be all those things, when you look at Jesus and how he's worked in your life and how he's worked in others' life, the more you become, do those things, the more you are changing into his image. Isn't that good news, too? There was a little girl, and she asked her mom, she said, Mommy, how big is God? And she said, oh, daughter, she, he's so big. He, this whole world could not contain God. He is so large. He is everywhere at all times. And she said, well, if he's that big, mommy, if God is in us, shouldn't he shine through? If he's that big, shouldn't he shine through? As we allow Christ in our lives, he will begin to shine through. So add to your temperance. Add to your temperance some patience and some godliness and then brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness is different than the last one because then he comes back and says, add to brotherly kindness, charity. Brotherly kindness is what you show to your church members. It's kindness to others. It's a, a goodness being, I see your need and I want to take care of your need. I heard that you're hurting and I want to take care of you. I heard you're moving. I'm going to help you move. You need clothing. I'm going to do those things. Ask the little boy, what is brotherly kindness? He said, well, kindness is when someone's hungry and you give them some bread. Brotherly kindness is when you put jelly on it. It's going a little bit, it's going beyond taking care of their needs. 
sacrifice. And Sister Heron here is one of those who does brotherly kindness. She can't even help herself, her and her husband. They will do beyond, you know, all this stuff, you know, all these decorations, of stuff around here. Sister Heron, I'll come in sometimes, and things are just shining because Sister Heron has been here. She's the one that's been in charge of our outreach program, just does things. She just blesses folk, her and her husband. Just the extras, but we've got other folks here. I'm not trying to call out everybody, but I know that one year I walked in here and she gave me roses. Why? Why you give me some roses? Just because. Really? That's deep. Okay, I want to outdo Sister Heron this year. I, <laughs> I want, to, I want to bless folks, and I want folks to say, whoa, that was a surprise. That was brotherly kindness. But then charity is a higher degree. Charity is the willingness to sacrifice for the good of a loved one. That's going even beyond the jelly. You only had that one slice of bread. Now, my sister Roz... I want to be like Roz. This, that's, my, that's my travel partner right there. Roz, Roz, raise your hand, Roz. Roz is the one who made me go on the oasis of the seas. Do you understand? Did you hear what I said? She made me go on a cruise. Mm, no, no, she didn't make me go on a cruise. She took her family on a cruise. Why would you do that? And that's what I asked. Why, you, why would you do that? She just, she has this way of loving folk and loving folk and loving folk and just uninvited loving folk. I don't, I see, I want to be like that. I want to be to the point, Chrissy does those things too. Chrissy will just, Wanda, I just made you some, some cookies. Why? Why you make me some cookies? Did I look like I needed some cookies? <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. I just wanted you to have some cookies, Wanda. I was thinking about you, and I wanted you to have cookies. Why does she, why does she and John just love on folk? You know, they go someplace, we'll be out here working in the grounds, and people drive up and dropping off stuff, and I see John and Chrissy run over there, and they be loving on the folk. Why do you do that? I want to be like that. I want to put myself out for people. That's what love does. It stops you. Oh, somebody else is in. Oh, there's someone. I want to do like that, Jonathan. I want to go beyond. I'm determined to try to be God-given. You know you can't, but I want to try. Because what I've learned, see this sister right here that keeps on loving folk? She has favor. <laughs> Every time she does something, God blesses her with three more of something else. And I don't mean junk. Didn't you get an iPad, something, air? Mm -hmm. They gave it to her because she blessed somebody else. And so somebody else gave her something else. And I'm learning, friends, those of you that are stingy with your tithe, help me, I, you, I only got a dollar left. I can't give it to Jesus because I got to use a dollar. 
give away the dollar and watch if he gives you 10. Watch, because you can't beat his giving. I want to learn to be so extravagant. I want to be so extravagant that I want to, you all to say that. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. You see this dress? I shouldn't tell it. I'm sorry. This is my dress from Keisha. Because I was, hey, Keisha. When you give away, and every time I put on this dress, I do like this. Every time I put it on and look in the mirror, I do like this. <gasps> Ooh, I look so cute. Because the more you give, the more you love. And she didn't do it for any reason, but she loved me. And every time I look at it, I feel like I've been loved. And so the more you give, add to your faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, brotherly godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. Now I want you to understand about children and climbing. And what I said to you is that they love to climb. Have you ever noticed that when children climb, they never climb up to the top and leave? See, that's what we do when we get old, right? The only reason I get on the steps is to get off the steps. Isn't that right, Sandy? I want to go up the steps and go somewhere, or I want to get down the steps and go somewhere. But I don't want to get on the steps because I like the steps. They are means to an end, but not for children. Children get on steps just because of the joy of getting on the steps. Peter is saying, add to your faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness. He's saying, don't get on the steps to get off the steps. And once you get to charity, you're finished. No, like kids, you're going to do this. Ooh, that was a nice step. Oh, I like this step. I've been on this patient step for too long. I, no, they don't do that. They say, I love this patient step. I'm going to go back to the virtue step. Oh, man. Oh, I think I'll go back to patience again. Oh, my goodness. Look at, look at godliness. It's so wonderful. I think I'll stay here a little while on godliness. I'm going to go back down to patience. That's how children do steps. So when we're climbing Peter's ladder, you're not going up the steps to get off of them. You're going on them for the delight of the steps. And our Christ may keep you on one step for a long time. Delight in that one step until he moves you to another, but he might bring you to another level of that step again. Don't you hate it? <laughs> yeah, because you're getting old. And that's all that's saying, is that children adore the steps. And they will stay on them as long as you allow them to stay on them. And then the next day they will come and get on them again. And it's funny to see the parents climbing up the steps with them, hoping they will hurry up and get off. You know, it's another thing about steps is that when you're depressed and sad, you want to cry about something, what do you do? You go find steps and sit on them. Isn't that interesting? Because they're places of meditation and grace. 
There's a lady named Hulda Crooks. She's a Seventh-day Adventist, lived out in, she died in 1997, I believe, at an age of 101. Hulda Crooks, Hulda Crooks, when he, she was in her late 50s, she was very, very, quite ill, and her husband, who was a physician, wanted her to get better, so he started having her start a walking regimen, so she started walking. And when she was 66 years old, she began climbing. When she was 70, she started jogging. But she loved, at 81, she decided that she wanted to climb the 268 peaks in California on Mount Whitney. She decided at 81, she wanted to climb the 268 peaks of Mount when she was 81. And so by the time she was, by the time she was, after 81, she had climbed 90 of those peaks, 14,500 feet up when she was 90, I mean, uh, after 81. She climbed so many times that they started calling her Grandma Whitney. Isn't that amazing? But it became her ministry. And when she would climb, people would see this because she got better and better and healthier and healthier because she was eating and walking and jogging and getting up at 5.30 and walking, I mean, running a mile in 12 minutes and walking back in 15 I'm going to work on that too. Anyway, she would, she would climb. People would say, how are you doing that? And she would tell them about the, eight, about the eight things to keep you healthy, the eight um, health secrets like sunlight and rest and, and nutrition, all those eight. She would talk to them about her faith and trust in God when she, she was the oldest woman to climb Mount Fuji. She was in her 90s when she climbed in Japan. And when she was 95 years old, the Congress voted and named one of the peaks on Mount Whitney, Crook's Peak, after her. They honored her. But here she is, over 90. This woman who was so frail started climbing. She started climbing. Add to your faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and charity. We've got to keep climbing as we go into 2015. We've got to climb. We can't stay here anymore, amen? If Grandma Whitney can learn to climb, <gasps> can learn to jog, ooh, if she can learn to climb a mountain, what stops us? Amen? We can do all things through Christ. Amen? But we've got to continue to add. So as we move into 2015, Make it your determination that you will not stay at this place of, I believe you, I trust you, I love you. Oh, that's way good. 
but show it by your virtue, by your knowledge and your temperance. We've got to start letting go of stuff about your, your godliness. And people will know they have been with someone who loves Jesus when they've been with you. Isn't that good news? That's what we want. We want to show love for one another here in this church and wherever we go. I want for this church to be known as a place of love like our sister and brother Heron do, like Chrissy and John do. We want, like Sister Kathy, we want to be a loving church like you do.